everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Paul Johnson, and we are The Last Nighters. You can find us at lastnighters.com. And tonight we're going to be doing the Indian film by way of Amazon called Sardar Udham. And it is a, uh, a somber affair. It's a, it's a lengthy affair, and it has a pretty difficult to watch uh, third act. Um, but it is, of course, the uh, big reveal and the motivation for all of the preceding events you see in the film. And uh, it's quite a watch, and I think we're going to have quite an interesting discussion with quite a guest. And so uh, you can find the show notes more for this one at lastnighters.com slash 203. And uh, returning to the show, um, <laughs> and I feel weird having a uh, such a somber movie to talk about when the prior appearance you were on, uh, Jared, was um, not how high, but uh, half-baked. But you did do um, Three Idiots with us, which was, was a Bollywood film, an Indian film. And so when somebody suggested this one, I was like, who should we call? You're the man. So we called you and uh, thank you for joining us. I know you've got a couple of projects going on. So why don't you just reintroduce yourself to our audience and uh, where can they find the various projects that you're working on? Cool. Yeah. Uh, great to be back again. I had a lot of fun last time talking about, um, I, honestly, I can't even remember which one we watched now because we've joked back and forth so many times, uh, whether it's how high or um, half-baked, but it was half-baked. Um so yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. With the reason I suggested that we, um, that was a that was a Jared uh, suggested film that we watched uh, because I wanted basically an excuse to talk about my latest um, kind of side hustle endeavor that that my wife and I were going about, which is uh, we started basically a, an e-commerce business to hustle Delta Eight cannabis products. Um, so that's still going on. Uh, we're doing it at thehempspot.com that's thc hempspot.com get it um but uh basically i it was something that you know it was uh i figured out that there's basically a loophole that's been found around uh political prohibition of this uh this this plant that i'm a, I'm a big fan of um not just for the therapeutic so-called reasons but for for so many reasons I'm a, I'm a big fan of the plant um and i'm glad that the market has figured a way around the state. So that's kind of uh, one of the, you know, uh, one of the driving reasons why we chose that as uh, even though it's got some risk um, involved with it, uh, it's, you know, it's perfectly legal, but it's, you know, it's just in a higher risk class because of the nature of it being cannabis. And it's always subject to the whims of politicians and bureaucrats. Um, so it's a little bit more risky in that sense. <laughs> you're the the ticker on the bottom is killing me i'm talking, you're like killing my concentration or like losing my train of thought laughing at epstein didn't kill himself so thank you with it for that um but yeah so the hempspot.com thc hempspot.com that's going on there uh there's a a, a coupon code um for 10 percent off uh with uh with uh i forgot even what it was i think it was last night is that what we did Dan, yes, Daniel? yes, that is correct. And I will okay. bring that back up on the ticker again. Okay. Last night, Thank all one you. word, no space. Yeah, so that's uh, that's um, my biggest, uh, one of my bigger projects outside of, um, you know, my regular day job. Uh, but um, kind of in correlation with my day job, I started uh, my own podcast, which has yet to air. I'm just recording the initial, you know, episodes one through five or uh, something. You know, I haven't exactly... Uh, got everything lined up yet but uh, hopefully by december um or january at the latest that that podcast will be out and it's going to be called best practices uh and the general idea is just to take a look and have conversations about how to 
uh, best own and operate large scale industrial facilities, um, you know, like uh, manufacturing plants, warehouses uh, and commercial properties, you know, like uh, shopping centers, malls, um, office buildings, you know, big educated. So uh, all just all different kinds of aspects about any kind anywhere in the that could fall under that kind of large umbrella is what I'm aiming at uh, and talking about, which falls under my my day job kind of expertise. Uh, but those are the two things that I got going on. So again, thanks for being on. Um, I'm, and uh, looking forward to talking about about this movie uh, as painful as it might be at times. Right. Well, welcome. Welcome back. And we will, of course, have all your prior appearances. Uh, not how high we haven't done that, but perhaps we will at some point in the <laughs> in the future. So that so that when we get confused about it, we'll be like, which episode are we talking about? Um, and of course, I always remember you for the Breaking Liberty website where you wrote about um, different takes on the Breaking Bad series. That's right. That's another project that uh, is still out there. Yeah, that, that website is live, too. Um, I wrote about Breaking Bad from a libertarian perspective. There's a couple of free ebooks ebooks out there at uh, breakingliberty.com. Yeah, thanks uh, for reminding me about that. Yeah, well, there, there's more I could say, but um, we've already delayed talking about this movie. Yeah, enough. seriously. So uh, we will get into this with the Google Descriptione. And I think I can make us be yep, three little dudes down at the bottom there. It's kind of cool, right? All right. So this movie, Sardar Udem is an Amazon Prime video movie, came out in 2021, and it's a film based on the life of the Indian revolutionary Udham Singh. And it has a 9 out of 10 on the IMDb for a 2-hour and 42-minute movie, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 94% of Google users liked it. The description is brief. It says, The life of Sardar Udham Singh, a revolutionary freedom fighter best known for assassinating Michael O'Dwyer in London to take revenge for 1919 Jallianwala Jali, Bagh massacre in Omri Star. I'm not sure if I'm saying any of these things right, and I apologize in advance. You're definitely not. Host. <laughs> I post apologize for, for mispronouncing them. Uh, but this just came out um, last month, October 16th, 2021. Directed by Shujit Sirkar. And uh, has some, uh, some pretty decent acting and actors and actresses. And... Uh, it was a highly recommended film by a couple of people, and so I thought it might be worthy of doing. So that is our our opening with the old Google description. And uh, Robert, we'll go with your opening volley uh, on this one. Sounds good. Thank you, Daniel. So, uh, yeah, I'd never heard of this film before until it was suggested by a YouTube comment. So thank you to whoever suggested it. Um, it's a, a guy I'd never heard of. Uh, it's an event that that creates him, or that turns him into a radical. And boy, if there's ever, if anybody ever asks him, you know, why did you become a radical? He's got a really good answer. Um, if, uh, uh, um, what was I going to say? The, the movie, the event, I think, was also in Gandhi. Am I right, Daniel? I want to say that that scene played out in the movie Gandhi. I'm not you sure. Remember that? I remember there was a scene in Gandhi where they're beating the people with sticks and the people are just standing there taking it. Right. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. They also made like, I think that was, I don't know if that was when they were making salt down in the, the ocean, but I, I seem to recall that they're Gandhi. I mean, this is happening while Gandhi was alive, of course, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he responded to this and made made some hay out of this 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 event. But as you can imagine, you know, like we've mentioned a million times on the show, when you when you butcher a whole bunch of people, you don't just solve all your problems. Amazingly enough, it tends to piss people off, tends to make people angry. And uh, I think what Ron Paul said, blowback is the is the cost of empire, or terrorism is the cost of empire. And this guy's definitely branded as a terrorist. Um, he is a kind of self-described radical communist. And I think that a lot of the British authorities like to call him a communist. But he seems to be, and he, and he hangs out with communists, but you don't get the sense really that he's like the biggest ideology Marxist. Like he's definitely on that side and he's inspired by those people. But he seems to be more of a, just a, anti-imperialist like he he seeks justice Mm -hmm. so at some a few points in the film he does go on the marxist socialist communist worker type guy like work is slavery kind of stuff but i I tend to think that he kind of more fell in with those people just because they seem to be i mean maybe he was already one of them before he was radicalized by the attack but it seemed to be that he was more motivated by the attack and less by this political ideology. At least it seemed to me, at least that's how it came across to me in the film. Maybe he was a radical Marxist and he just so happened to also be one of these, um, you know, guys seeking justice. But as it's portrayed in the film before the attack, he's just kind of living. Like he Mm -hmm. might've been a member of the party, but he wasn't even at the, at the group with the 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 party, the the radical socialists, whatever DCHP or whatever the name of their party was, I forget. He was just kind of living his life, having this deaf girlfriend, and then he's, you know, dragging bodies to a local semi hospital in in the most brutal, even under you know threat of death from this uh, curfew that was also imposed by. Uh, this uh, British governor at the time. Yeah, um, this was Hacksha- Hacksaw it's a Ridge. Really Hacksaw well done Ridge. film. Did, it did was you, right. Yeah, yeah. except uh, he didn't have any qualms about grabbing a gun later on. But yeah, at the time he was uh, definitely just just trying to save any lives he could, and uh, yeah, that was a really hard hard ending. But uh, the movie's really well done. I, I wasn't familiar with any of the actors, but they all did a perfectly fine job. Um, the treatment of prisoners and specifically him by Scotland Yard is pretty rough. Um, They definitely don't shy away from their torture techniques. He got waterboarded. He got like nails put underneath his fingernails. He got uh, electrocuted. I don't know, all kinds of just beat the shit out of him a bunch of times. Uh, That was pretty rough. Um, and I and I yeah, force fed. I, I do wanna I know I wanna get into um whether it was a justified killing or not. Like if this was really revenge, really justice served, uh, that's definitely a question I want to get into. Uh because the the character that he kills, the governor or the person in charge, I guess I don't know if it's the governor of Punjab or whatever the guy's name is, uh he's he's given like this Teddy Roosevelt speech where he ends up getting shot by Udom. And uh, it, it seems to be, I don't know if that's just a, like an idea at the time, 
but it seems to be really popular around the turn of the 19th, 18th, 19th century, where these political figures were really swallowing their own Kool-Aid of how awesome imperialism was and just how, how savage the rest of the world was and how they had a duty to invade and take control over and dominate and you know police because these people are all just savages and that sort of thing. So I definitely want to get into that. But uh, overall, I could see why this is so well-reviewed. Um, and uh, yeah, I think this is going to end up being a really... We may have lost you, Robert. But I think you were about to wind am down I, and say... Oh, am I still there? You're, Hello? You're, you're there now, yes. Oh, now he's gone. All right. Well, I think he was winding down anyway, Jared. <laughs> Sounded that way. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he touched on everything or, or all the main um, points that I would want to talk, talk about in terms of where, you know, where we can go with a conversation here uh, that uh, the movie itself was fantastic. Um, it was very difficult to watch, uh, but um, it was, it's right up there for me. Like I loved three idiots the first time I watched it. Uh, and I really, really liked this movie. Um, I have a couple of qualms with this movie, um, but I think they're mostly just because I'm, uh, uh, you know, kind of a an autistic libertarian who, you know, just can't not think about certain things. And when the certain dialogue is put in certain ways, it just kind of, you know, triggers me uh, uh, in a little bit, a little way. Um, but uh, I mean, I don't even know if my interpretation of the dialogue is necessarily correct in all those cases. But, you know, there's the, the, the British Empire stuff to, to talk about. There's the lingering effects of post-British Empire today in terms of, um, you know, where borders were drawn and you know, the uh, ongoing conflict between India and Pakistan as a direct result of the British Empire's meddling in India um, and, you know, the rest of the world through their empire. There's also, you know, there's the, the correlations you can make to all the British Empire atrocities and tyranny to what the U.S. is doing nowadays, you know, especially with the waterboarding and the torture techniques and basically being an imperial militaristic, um, you know, world empire. The, it's the U.S. now. It just kind of slid into the British Empire's old old place when the, when Britain, you know, uh, collapsed after World War II. Um, from all the debt that they had sustained and the, you know, the world ended up going with the dollar, you know, but that's a whole, that's a whole another kind of potential way to go with this conversation. There's all kinds of stuff to talk about with this movie. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, some, like I mentioned, there's some specific dialogue that I, that I, you know, I took a couple of notes during, it was hard to take notes during the movie because it was, there was mostly subtitled. So you had to read the whole movie. So it was very difficult to take notes. Um, but there are a few things that I remember and I, they, you know, they kind of touched on, uh, you know, equality issues and exploitation issues and, you know, kind of the concept of freedom, um, which is always uh, fun for us Rothbardians to talk about. So uh, all that stuff is great. The way the movie, the, as you say, the acting I thought was really good. I thought the, the actor who played O'Dwyer, the, the, the guy who got assassinated, I thought he was very hateable. Um, he played, you know, that really well. Um, especially he was, he just looked like such a little pipsqueak and, you know, what the shit he was saying, basically, you know, being completely 
unremorseful for the massacre of 20,000 people or whatever the number was. Um, that was great. And I also loved the way that they told the story. You know, it kind of jumped around a little bit. Um, it felt like the, you know, because it showed the assassination almost right in the very, you know, the first, first act. Um, and, uh, and so it kind of felt like, you know, it peaked real quick. But then the way it told the story after that, and it kept linking back, and then it, you know, more and more kind of revealed what led him down that revolutionary path with the ultimate, you know, reveal at the end of, you know, what the big thing was that cr created him as a revolutionary. Um, just really, really fantastically done movie. Uh, I was kind of waiting for, um, you know, the actors to suddenly break out into song and dance. Uh, but uh, the, it did not yes. happen. Um, <laughs> so uh, it was it was really fantastic. Really great movie. Bollywood is doing some fantastic things. It makes me want to, um, you know, just uh, uh, I'm always planning on my next uh, appearance on your show. Um, but I know there was another recommendation of what they rec were described as like the best gangster movie of all yeah, time. And it was some... Apoor. say again, gangs of Wasi Apoor. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering that name as well, but um, okay. we're going to have to do that next um, because uh, Bollywood is yes. really doing some stuff. Uh, and I loved this movie. And I, uh, if it's, it's, if that gangster movie is um, anywhere near as good as this and as good as three idiots was uh, I'm all in for it. All right. Very good. Well, a lot of things have been brought up and, and Robert, it sounds like you're back. So that's good. I, I, I don't know if you missed much or we missed much of what you were saying. You, it sounded like you're about to wind down and hand it off to us. So um, we can probably pick up from here. So just my initial feedback is uh, this is a, a really well done film. I do like the structure where you sort of see the culmination of the um, event, but you don't understand the motivation behind it until near the end. And then they just hammer it home. I mean, that last half an hour they made the point in the first five, 10 minutes of that. And then it just keeps going and going and going. And, and, and that's where you get your three hours of length. And it's like, whew, you know, they just really hammered home. And um, in a way, I appreciate that, you know, like from a, from a movie making aspect, I'd be like, Oh, that's that they overdid that. But I mean, can you imagine what he lived through? You know, it didn't end, right. It, it just kept going and going until he was at utter exhaustion. And then he kept going from there, trying to uh, get people out of there and, and save as many lives as he could and so you know if if you're trying to like make the audience sort of like intimate just even tiniest amount of discomfort to share that experience um i think it is effective and, and i probably just offended a bunch of people but i think that's perhaps why they just kept going with it um to make you uncomfortable as a viewer uh this is another thing that this is an event i wasn't familiar with and i'm sure that there are atrocities and historical events that have happened throughout history in various cultures by various peoples in various places and history is written by the victors so you often don't hear about these things because the victors are often justifying to themselves the actions that they have taken and see themselves as the heroes robert and i have talked about this many times um so you know we get a narrative from the guys who thought they were the good folks the, the good guys in in most situations and um but then you also get you know some I would say politicized um, attacking of, of certain cultures and people for politicized reasons. And, and they tend to ignore um, atrocities and, and other, other horrible events that were commonplace throughout history. And they tend to pin them on just whatever the current um, viewed, you know, 
power structure or regime or uh, what's the right term I'm looking for here. But, um, you know, it's part of the the um, critical theory in general, like whatever the whatever the system is, you're against it. So you're always criticizing and, and taking a negative opinion on everything, even the good things uh, in a culture or society. And so that's all to say that um, I think that this is a, an area of history that probably wasn't familiar to a lot of people outside of India, save for this film um, coming out. And so for that, I, I think it's, uh, it's educational. It's, it's, for, as far as I understand, it's a fairly accurate, you know, portrayal of what occurred. Um, it's a biopic of this, of this man. And um, I want to get into a couple of the questions that um, Robert, you'd brought up, you know, was this justified? Is it just revenge? And um, I think that um, if it was just revenge, he would have taken that revenge far earlier. And, you know, he, he, he worked for the guy who was in his house, right? He was looking to make a right. statement. He was not looking to, right. I he wanted to let that. people of England know. Right. And not in a terrorist way, more in a symbolic way. Uh, because also, I mean, this guy did this like so many years prior and he's an old man. He's, he's, what's the average age of, of, you know, human lifespan in, in the 1930s and 40s you know the guy was 75 76 something like that he didn't have he wasn't long for the world so it's not as if uh sardar udam was killing the guy and robbing him of many years you know what i mean like it, it's kind of a shitty way to look at things but you know killing a young person who has a full life ahead of them feels a bit different uh than people who are in their 70s and 80s and um, killed by a governor or two um, to be, you know, used as fear propaganda to perpetuate a certain narrative. Uh, I think you all know what I'm talking about. Um, speaking of what we all know that I'm talking about, I also noticed that O'Dwyer used this, um, this protest as a collection of his enemies to be made an example of and to instill fear in them. And so that I, I liken to certain things that we're seeing today where fear is a powerful motivator and they continue to pile on the fear through propaganda and agitprop. And uh, in the pre-show bonus content, we were talking about people who are blue-pilled and who are buying into that fear and people who are being red-pilled because they're seeing these things not add up anymore. And so that that is a bit, perhaps the silver lining in these things. But that is one of my fears is when we see these massive protests happening or rather don't see because they're often not um, shown in uh, mainstream media, but they're happening all over the world, New Zealand, Australia, France, Italy, the UK, various various uh, cities in the United States, things like that, but you hardly hear about them. Uh, maybe if they were peaceful protests that were, you know, burning down buildings, maybe we'd hear about them. But uh, I wonder if the elites, and I don't necessarily mean the political class, but I mean like the class who which the political class are like their buffer um, if they give a shit that people protest and what effect it actually has, you know, especially when they can control the narrative and, and squash uh, the appearance of dissent and things of that nature. And so I, I know I'm straying from the movie. <laughs> I know, but uh, I, I do see some, some similarities in tactics here that, uh, that are justified in the 1919 situation because he wants to instill fear in the populace for political aims. I mean, he's literally a terrorist, the uh, O'Dwyer. 
he's literally using violence to promote political ends and using fear to keep people uh, from protesting, rising up against the British imperialism. And, and this is another thing that I, you often hear when in the years past, I used to debate, you know, socialist types, socialist leaning people, and they would always liken capitalism to imperialism. And I always said, no, those are different things. But you can see why they might think that, especially when you look at, okay, we have the British Empire doing colonial shit, claiming to be capitalists. So obviously it makes a bit of sense that people take them for their word that they're capitalists and they're doing this imperial shit. Therefore, capitalism is imperialism and vice versa. So um, I, I know I just rambled all over the place, but uh, Jared, has anything I've said made any sense? And do you have anything that you are interested in responding to? And then we can go to Robert. I guess I'll touch on that that last point that you made about, uh, you know, in terms of, um, I was just kind of talking to my wife recently, but kind of, a, we were talking about, um, you know, uh, a lot of East Africa uh, was uh, under British colonialism. Um, and then when they left, uh, basically, I guess my point was, is that by the time Africa got its independence, and this is, uh, you know, probably not uh, related to the movie um, exactly, but by the time a lot of African nations got their independence in the, in the early 60s, um, it was after the glory days of the West was over. Um, and the, what, what the, these newly independent um, nations in, in Africa, they were either re forming governments in reaction against the West or trying to imitate the West, but they were trying to imitate this new West, you know, this 1960s West, which it was just all about democracy and not about, property rights and individual liberty and, um, you know, uh, things like that. Not about, uh, you know, a republic, a limited constitutional republic. You know, the whole, everything, the whole focus is on voting and, you know, the fact that it's a democracy. And I think that's where the, you know, the, the transition went wrong for those, you know, these, these new countries, these new countries, but um, you know, uh, the, the, the definition of terrorism, um, that this movie, you know, uh, affords a conversation about is really interesting too, because they labeled him, this, this, uh, Udom Singh, uh, a terrorist in their newspapers, um, just the same way that the U S today labels, Muslims who react against U.S. imperialism and decades of U.S. planes dropping bombs on their land. Uh, or they call or them... bomb, bombs at uh, school board meetings. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, they so, seem pretty loose in their uh, definitions these days. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, just all that. And uh, but, you know, the what in reality, you know, the. The, the it's it's foreign policy when you mow down a uh, peaceful protest of Indians gathering to talk about you know the latest um, you know uh, rights reducing and eliminating dictate that your colonial power just passed 
um, that they're going to have to you now be subject to. And, you know, the, so they've all gathered in the square to dis- discuss it calmly and politely. And they were all sitting there Indian style. And I don't really know if we really want to give away all the details of that last, uh, that last um, 30 minutes of the movie, but it really reminded me of uh, that, that scene in 12 years, a slave uh, where he's being, um, he's being punished by basically being pseudo hung from the, they hang him to the point where he's, he, he can touch, the ground only on his tippy toes hmm. and they leave him there for hours and hours. And so he's, you know, he's, he's up, you know, he's, he's stretched out as far as he can go. And his, you know, if he t- takes any weight off of his tippy toes at all, you know, he would hang himself essentially. And they leave him there for hours and hours and hours. But the scene in the movie goes on forever and ever and ever. I remember I felt that way when the first time I saw it and he's just hanging there um, you know, he can't hardly breathe and he's struggling for water. And this, this, uh, this, um, this girl, you know, takes pity on him, you know, a, a fellow, uh, slave girl takes pity on him and, you know, sneaks him a sip of water when nobody's looking and then runs away real quick to, you know, to make sure that she doesn't get caught. It was a really, really powerful scene. I remember when I watched it and this, the scene in this movie, um, at the end of it, the, that last 30 minutes, put that uh you know it kind of took that to a whole nother level um, okay and, I, I remember uh, yeah. the last temptation of christ took a fair amount of um screen time too, to right. the you know punishment endured by jesus and so it does seem to be a tactic or a i don't know what the right term is but like a you know it's an it's an intentional thing that they're doing in the filmmaking process to make you at least have an awareness of a shared experience of, of how t- terrible that is, you know, and, and by making it so long that it like feels too long is the point, you know? And, um, I also think that, uh, uh, related to the imperialism, equating that to capitalism. And therefore, if you're against imperialism, you have to be a socialist. Uh, but then they also talk about the exploitation and, and the, that the reason that the imperialism is there is for the, um, uh, the natural resources and, and the raping of the land and things like that. Um, so it gives a lot of like um, weight to the story or the narrative of those opposed to capitalism. And so I can kind of see where they would get those ideas from, from these historical events. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, they're you know economically illiterate, uh, especially especially some of their uh, uh, professors who make the rounds on uh, podcasts and, and other interviews. One of them debated uh, Gene Epstein at the Soho debate forum. And it was it was terrible. <laughs> the guy was awful. I remember uh, his I, name. I do, I do. Yeah, I, I almost don't want to say his name. He's so terrible. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to give him even like the. Yeah, his, his name's Richard Wolf. You can find it on the Soho Soho uh, website. Yeah, Richard Wolf, and and he okay. had a oh yeah, I remember that a tweet of like, um, you know, the reason prices are going up isn't isn't money printing or inflation. It's it's greedy capitalist ketchup companies. It was it's fucking ridiculous. Guy's mm-hmm. an absolute clown. But, uh, you know, he's at a prestigious university as a professor of economics with a PhD. So what do I know? I'm just a guy sitting in a fucking box in my driveway. But um, <laughs> uh, but I, I will say, just hearkening back to my prior uh, rambling rant, um, I have found allegiances in resisting the COVID regime tyranny 
with people who uh, are economically illiterate and who believe in the socialist uh, Marxist economics. Um, there's a couple of folks on Facebook who I have had debates with in the past. And usually those devolve very rapidly into ad hom and, and other nefarious uh, non-debate debate tactics. Um, but a handful I've had good debates with and we had a mutual respect for each other. And so we friend requested each other. And uh, one of them um, has been posting very good things about what's going on in the world today with the overreach of government and, and all those things. And so he and I have connected uh, via DM and we are aligned in resistance to a common enemy, even though uh, we view economics and, and how the world works in totally different uh, ways, you know, and, and to that, to me, that that's like a bit of a silver lining as well in that now there is something that people can um, align against and, and can bring people together. And today, that's the most important thing to be against. So if you're going to be aligned on that, then the economic disagreements, that can be decided at a later date, you know, whatever. Well, to me, together. I mean, they're interlinked, but <laughs> so, if, to if, an extent, if, yeah. But if my yeah. economic policies were in place, there would not be the uh, yeah, no, of massive course. concentration of power to be able to do any of this shit. Right. Um, and, right. and if if he had his way, they'd, they'd have zero resistance to it, or you know, like they'd have to, they'd have ultimate authority. So um, yeah, hopefully, more conversations lets him uh, make that connect those dots himself in his own brain. Um, is is Robert? Uh, dropped out completely can we hear his voice and just not his video or do you know how what do you think guys can you hear me fine or uh, what do you think we yeah we can hear, can hear you, you. Yeah. Yep. I, I think uh yeah your limited uh internet going to no video is probably helpful so i know we've said a lot of stuff i've sidetracked us derailed us several times and i'm sure you got a steam steam energy to uh fire away i've got a few things i can mention um i apologize for my connection yeah it seems to be hit or miss tonight a little bit sketch so I want to go back to the thing Daniel was talking about the um, O'Dwyer ordering the hit. Um, when he does have that phone call to the general, it very much reminded me like all of a sudden I was watching The Sopranos and it was Tony Soprano like talking to his capo. And he's like, oh, we, we need to send a message to these people. I mean, he said every he, he danced all the way around it without actually saying, yeah, go and shoot these people in the face. Yeah, no culpability or no. Uh, yeah, plausible, plausible deniability. It's like, I never yeah. said anything. What are you talking about? Now, after the film, or the, the very, very end, right before the credits roll, they interview um, the O'Dwyer and the general guy. And as we've talked about a million times, people are the heroes of their own story. And I, I want to know, or at least I have a question for you guys. Did it seem like, because they, in their mind, or at least what they said was, hey, we saved millions of lives or thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives by taking a few lives. So it was like a 10 to 1 save, we're the heroes. I mean, all of a sudden, these guys are perfect prognosticators. They can just, they had the perfect knowledge of what was going to happen in the future. And if they didn't shoot all these people, it was going to lead to this massive communist revolution and everybody was going to die or whatever. It was for their own good. It is for their own good. It is for their good of overall for India. Now, does that ring hollow to you, or did it? Because it because it kind of smacked love ex post facto justification. Like, yeah, 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 we killed them, 
but it would have been worse had we not. Like, same with like every governor and their COVID policies for the past year and a half. Yeah. It's just endless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bad, but it would have been worse if we had done nothing. Um, I mean, it was, it's, when, at the end of the film, when were those interviews to have been uh, taking place? It was the Hunter Commission, I think, which was looking into the events that occurred in 1919. So it must have been a few years past. Probably back in, yeah, in Britain. Okay. I wonder if um, if there was an awareness in the world of the Bolshevik Revolution and, and the millions of people who died as a result of that. But I think, I think like a lot of those, you know, famine. Well, this is, yeah, this is two years after the Bolshevik revolution. So, right. But I don't know if there was an awareness of, of the millions of deaths. Cause a lot of them hadn't occurred yet. Right. Like wasn't right. the, the whole, whole Amador, I'm saying it wrong, but you know Holomador, what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah well, that, that was, was, that was later. Mm -hmm. uh, that was as a result of Stalin's later. policies in Ukraine. Yeah. 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 It, so the, the, if they the can say, well, if there were communism, then millions would die. I mean, may maybe they thought that, but I, I kind of doubt it. I mean, th yeah, no, no, no. In 1919, there were New York Times articles. I don't know, crazy. not 1919, but then throughout the 20s, there were New York Times articles talking about how Russia was the great miracle and how mm -hmm. it was fantastic and awesome and working perfectly and super sweet. Right. But 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 if we look at it back from today, we could say, well, yeah, if, if it had gone communist, then, yeah, probably more people would have died. I mean, probably. Right. right? Probably, but that's that's really putting on your your wizard hat and going. <laughs> if we don't shoot all these people right now, <laughs> in twenty thirty years, we're gonna you know lose half the population or something like that. It that's just yeah. that's just nonsense. Well, and and it goes back to the ends and means situation. You know, to me, the means you employ flavor the ends. So even if you think it, you're you're justifying it. If you use evil means, then then you've, you've committed evil acts. You know, yeah, that's the nature of how the state just justifies itself. The, the you know, you compare the way um, Dyer and O'Dwyer justify themselves for what they did in um, what's it called Armor Star there. Yeah. And, you know, the same way to uh, governors and whatnot are um, justifying their COVID lockdowns today to the same way that uh, um, that, uh, you know, the neocons would justify their whole Middle Eastern adventurism and militarism. Yeah, that was um, another Soho debate that yeah, uh, was, uh, we saw recently uh, with Scott, Scott Horton, Horton and Bill Crystal just yeah, recently. And Bill Crystal took the whole position that, um, yeah, you know, the U.S. had to uh, be engaged around the world over the last 75 years so that we could prevent nuclear war um if the u.s had not been engaged throughout the world for the last 75 years you know korea was great vietnam was you know necessary and good you know and uh the whole middle east you know that yeah there were some mistakes made but you know think about it there have been no nuclear wars and that's because of because of our engagement um you know it's all the the same kind of thing they you know they use that that kind of nasty phrase you know the this is the white man's burden. And, you know, these people are savages and they just can't take care of themselves. And, you know, there's kind of a version of that happening with how the U S is justifying stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Muslims and people, Arabs and middle Easterners are very yeah, much, they just kind of just bad at democracy. We got to show them how to do democracy, right? <laughs> yeah. Because they don't know how to do it. They just, all the, they just keep letting themselves get ruled by these dictators. So we got to go give them democracy 
Yeah, thank the God they're going to greet us as liberators. Um, you just one one murder away from uh, a good democracy or something. Is that the saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this this whole justification of um, utilizing fear and evil atrocities to prevent what they thought might be a worse outcome. Uh, I can liken that to the dro- bombs dropped on Japan where the expos justify that saying, well, you know, a land invasion would have cost so many more lives, et cetera, et cetera. Or more likely we're going to demonstrate to the rest of the world that we're the baddest motherfuckers around and we're willing to drop something like this. And so don't fuck with us, which they might in their heads justify. Well, that's saving millions of lives, right? Because now we've got this um, mutually assured destruction, detente situation. um, Or, well, I guess at that time they would have been like, no one's going to mess with us as long as we're the only ones who have this. Um, so it's another evil atrocity that those perpetrators would use to justify in their own heads. And I can see that in a psyche type situation. Like you sort of have to view yourself as doing something good, even if it is evil, you have to justify it. Otherwise, how can you live with yourself? Right. Uh, yeah. It's, uh I, I think it would give me a little more credibility or give O'Dwyer a little more credibility, though, if he willingly accepted that what he did was necessary, understanding that there should be. I mean, he thinks of himself as a hero, but he has to understand that he is not a hero to the people of India. Right. I mean, you can't possibly be that obtuse. Right. I mean, yeah, he's. He's in his cups, he's at his hearth, and he's justifying it and about how great he was and whatever. But that seems to be like he's trying to sleep at night, honestly. I think he's so he's so far away from it and he doesn't see it ever. He probably he probably never even saw a photo of it, much much less, you know, like was there on site after the fact to see the um, you know, the the the, the after effects. You know, you I, think, I you think that's a, that's part of it or cause the, I don't. I, I think that people um, who are involved in these atrocities, um, it doesn't affect them anymore. Like I noticed it when they were torturing uh, Sardar Udom in the Scotland Yard. The guys were, the, the prison guards were just going along with it. You know, they're just people, you know, yeah. and they're doing these awful, horrific things to this man. Uh, so I, I think that there becomes a normalization of these things perhaps over the course of time to where what we would look back on and be like, how could they allow that to happen? You know, that's what Stanley Milgram sought to study, right? He was like, how could people have committed these things? Well, they listen to authority or whatever, you know? And, and so they just, they, they don't, they, they don't feel culpable or they, they've offloaded the decision to, well, this authority figure told me to do it. Therefore it's not really me. So therefore I can do it and I don't have to feel guilt about it. And so I, I, I don't know. I think it, it plays into the, you know, still with that human nature kind of like a way to compartmentalize things, justify things, you view yourself as a hero. So even if you're witnessing atrocities, seeing atrocities, committing atrocities, uh, I don't know if it impacts you as well because there's like these protection mechanisms in place with how you perceive the world. And I think that's one of the things that maybe gets preyed upon um, when there is that concentration of power and authority. Anyway, that's my two cents. Mm-hmm. 
hope I'm making so, sense tonight. I feel like I'm going no. on these rambling rants. Yeah, I mean, not really, but you know, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you're doing yeah, fine, Dan. You're doing great. So, yeah. are we all in agreement here that this 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 assassination was justice? I mean, clearly he he didn't just kill him as soon as he had the chance. He no, wanted I to think make, it was uh, he wanted to bring like, awareness to the situation, which yeah, the judge beyond basically justice? shut down. That's kind of like, you know, heroic justice, you know, like. He like, called it protest. He, he wanted to make sure he did it. He wanted to, he wanted to assassinate somebody. We want, he wanted to assassinate somebody in a certain way such that it would be known that it was a, an assassination, uh, a revolutionary assassination, assassination. I think that's what he wanted himself to be remembered as was he wanted to be a, a revolutionary. Um, but I mean, in terms of the, it being justified, it was not only justified, but it was really, you know, it was heroic. The nobody deserves to to be killed more than somebody like O'Dwyer, um, and you know, whether there's not really a death that's bad enough for some of these people. Um, that uh you know people like uh you know the counterparts to o'dwyer that exist today uh the counterparts to dyer that exist today um who you know who who marched their soldiers out there i I, you know honestly i i i give i kind of give the soldiers a pass because people sometimes are you know so day to day that you know the salary is you know but you know once they say pull the trigger and then the thing Everybody that stood out to me was, was shooting, those, like those ooh. were Indian soldiers, right? Yeah, they were Indian soldiers, and that the that, that's a, that's a good. Thanks for bringing that up because that's what the British Empire was notorious for: is they were really, really good at splitting up the local populations um, to you know to 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 be in conflict with each other and using one to be their enforcement arm, uh, you know, kind of boots on the ground. Yeah, people. that was what the the Hutu and Tutsi thing, and that was the Dutch, right? Yep, that was the the Belgians. Belgians. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to um, the freaky deaky Dutch. It's the Belgians. Yeah, but the Fr- the French came in there during the during the um, the genocide time period during the early 90s when all that was going on. So you're not wrong that it was the French then, but it was the Belgians who colonized that. But it was Britain who colonized Kenya, um, and they uh, were the the Kenyan. I forget what they called them, uh, um, but the Kenyan, basically, version of of those Indian soldiers who fired on the crowd, um, were very notoriously brutal uh, and and would you know were were the main lines of um, fighting against the the Mau Mau revolution that uh, rose up in Kenya to fight against the British imperialism. And I wish, honestly, I feel bad for our listeners. I wish I knew more about. Uh, Indian resistance to British imperialism because I think that would do this movie a lot more justice. Um, but I know British imperialism in general was just extremely, extremely harsh. I've, you know, I've got a friend uh, that I worked with at my last job who was from uh, the Kashmir region, um, you know, which is the kind of the disputed territory between India and Pakistan these days. And he, to this day, you know, and he's, he's too young to, you know, he's only a couple years older than, than I am. Um, and he's, uh, but he, you know, he hates the British and, 
it's just, um, you know, for good reason. Uh, and like I say, I wish I knew more about the, the history of British imperialism as it specifically relates to India and as well as Indian resistance to it. Um, but I know that today, uh, you know, the ongoing conflict between India and Pakistan over Kashmir is the remnants of um, British imperialism. And I also know that the U.S. foreign policy has done nothing to try and uh, calm those waters. All, all they've done on the on the on the other hand is, you know, just fan the flames of that conflict. And that's a very dangerous conflict uh, of uh, for fan, uh, flames to be fanned, um, if I can try and speak here. But, you know, because they got nuclear weapons pointed at each other. So um, that's a, a dangerous, dangerous situation that is uh, persisting to this day because uh, Britain wanted to exploit uh, in the literal sense of the term, the resources and the, you know, probably labor uh, of the Indian people during their, you know, expansionist empire period. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, you know, like you say, that's my two cents there. Um, but um, I wish, I wish we could do a little bit better justice to this movie, but it was a fantastic movie. And um, uh, Udam Singh or Uda, uh, yeah, Udam Singh uh, really, really should you know, be, uh, be much more well known than he is. Cause like, I'm like you, I didn't hear of this event prior to the movie and I hadn't heard of him prior to the movie, but I'm glad I do. Uh, I'm glad I do. Yeah. So I, I have a whole line of questions I think could uh, lengthen our episode by probably too much. So, um, I want to bring Robert back in for, um, I, I'm sure he's got a bit more to say. And then uh, Jared, you had mentioned that you had a couple of quotes that you thought, uh, you wanted to discuss and then we can start winding this one down um and uh, it's it's been good so far i think uh so robert you have the floor well hopefully my internet is fine but um it keeps popping in and out and it, it's turning you both into robots at different times so hopefully i'm not a robot right now um i i'm, I'm grateful for watching this film i had never even heard of the bengal famine four million people dead and i'd never heard of it so if that's not a case of history being written by the winners and ignoring the result of their atrocious and horrific policies uh the fact that winston churchill i mean i don't, I don't know the details but the movie attributed to winston churchill's world war ii policy which i assume diverted food from the bengal region of india to the front lines or wherever else he thought it was necessary a result of planned. Central planning, mm -hmm. central planning, just like Stalin in the Holodomor, deciding, you know, who's more important, who gets to live, who gets to die. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to look into it. I want to learn more um, because, you know, Winston Churchill, he's a hero to, I'm sure, a lot of British people uh, and probably a lot of people just in the West in general. Mm -hmm. Sure. As a guy who stood up to Hitler and won world, helped win World War II and all these kinds of things. Um, and he had a lot of fun quotes and he's he was a smart guy. But, you know, you, you he's just like this perfect dude. I mean, even though I think he only killed a few people in like Africa and the wars when he was fighting in those. It wasn't until he got into politics where, you know, the body counts really rack up. That's where you mm -hmm. can really get a lot of a lot of kills under your belt. But I'd never even heard of the Bengal famine, so I want to look into that. Um, 
and I'm surprised that they killed that many people in India. And I mean, they, they probably still have a presence in India. I mean, I know they're not, it's not considered a, a territory of Britain anymore, they're but like in the film, yeah. is it still considered a Commonwealth? Yeah, but it's its own country. It's like Canada is a Commonwealth, New Zealand's a Commonwealth, Australia's a Commonwealth. Mm. So there's some, you know, transitory privileges between those countries if you're a citizen of one i think it's easier to go into another and live there i see i don't know the details but yeah they're still they're still related in some ways yeah well i can see why people would hate the british uh, for all the wanna... horrific crap go ahead jared uh, speaking of something else i'd want to look further into um you mentioned the bengal fan i'd also really like to learn more about you know not just udam singh but also bhagat singh um who i guess was kind of his like revolutionary cohort they didn't really talk about him too much in the movie but i remember bhagat singh when uh when he was being tortured one of his torturers brought up that name and he said don't talk about him like that was the only time he actually like really engaged with what even what the the torturer was was asking him mm -hmm. um was when he brought up Bhagat Singh and I kind of quickly looked to, uh you know j just refresh my memory but he um in the movie and I remember them t him mentioning this in the movie got them going into the details of this in the movie that he uh he had um been a revolutionary there in India you know was fighting against the British um people there locally in India and had successfully assassinated um uh at least one uh kind of higher up british person there and then he was uh imprisoned and then i think um hanged or some other otherwise brutally um murdered uh after um kind of a show trial uh and so yeah and then just one other thing that um you know the movie didn't really get too much into but you know like i was saying you know i kind of wish i knew more um that's you know the bengal famine and and bugat saying you know those are those are two uh two things where i think that would be you know kind of a next step in trying to learn more about the the, the whole aspect of british imperialism and british empire in in um in india and that was i didn't know that about the commonwealth thing i thought they were all like literally their own complete 100 percent separate countries i didn't know that there or is it just kind of a an agreement type thing and that i feel like i learned something new just now um i mean i'm, I'm just recalling from probably grade school okay so <laughs> i don't know a whole lot about it but I, I just think it's like a affiliation of formerly empire held um, countries that are now sovereign but there are some relationship between them that, that makes it easier for certain things to occur trade and and travel um you know in the olden days uh, like 2019 and by and before um now you, you guys talked about like the bengal famine and wanting to know more about these things um i also want to know about more of these historical atrocities but not just you know by the british empire but any empire or any government i mean it would it'd be great to have an awareness of, of all the various cultures that have done terrible things and, and have an understanding that it's not a unique thing to one particular uh, demonized culture uh, of today. Um, I, th I think it's, it's, it's been par for the course for generations. And um, I think that it gets politicized and pushed into a certain direction for destabilizing effects, for demoralization effects and for critical theory effects, you know, but um as it relates to the film, I felt like the significance of Bhagat Singh was a little bit lacking. 
Like I didn't get a sense of, like you mentioned, he reacts to the torture when Bhagat Singh is brought up and they do devote a little bit of screen time to their relationship and how he was a mentor. And they had that one um, thing where he's speaking at one of their, uh, it looked like a textile type, you know, mill. And he was very um, intelligent and witty and, and funny and had charisma. But I felt that perhaps in the film, they didn't devote enough time for why uh, Udam Singh was so devoted to him. You know, I didn't get the closeness of their relationship that wasn't like firmly established for me. So just from a filmmaking uh, aspect, I felt like that was maybe not hammered home as much. But maybe that was so that they could devote more of the runtime to hammering home the horrendous um, motivations at the end there. Uh, we'll go to Robert. Yeah. No, I could, I could, I could agree with all that. Um, it's definitely a, kind of a surprise when he says, don't mention that name. It's like, why not? I've seen the movie and your story up to this point, And there's nothing that tells me that this is some kind of a sacred relationship other than that. He was kind of your revolutionary mentor and kind of taught you the ways of revolutionary socialism and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, being someone who's completely against socialism I I still had complete sympathy for him as a revolutionary anti-imperialist justice seeker. Um, I just kind of wish that, you know, he wouldn't necessarily take out his frustrations on like the, the owner of a small business or whatever, when he's talking about this work is slavery and that kind of thing. That was a little bit cringy, but you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, are against any kind of hierarchy at all and the private property and all that. So they're going to have some silly ideas, but in terms of seeking justice for mass murder, I'm on board. Yeah, here, here. Uh, so Robert, let, or sorry, Jared, let's get into your quotes that you would wanted to nitpick about. We can be autistic for a few minutes or, you know, the entire time. And then uh, we'll get into some final summary review and give it some scores. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think that the two quotes that I have written down, not really necessary that I would nitpick in in. I think that was more kind of a, a general comment, but uh, I remember right in the beginning of the of the movie um, when it's uh, before it's really explained why he has become a revolutionary. He, uh, you know, he's explaining to I, th- it was, I think it was a cousin. Um, you know, I'm going to move to to London. Um, you know, and uh, forget if he explains. Uh, you know, um, just out and out. Uh, you know what his intentions are. But uh, she, you know, he, he, she knows that he's going there to be, uh, you know, quote, revolutionary, and um, and uh, she says to him, she, she's kind of begging him not to go, and she says, "You all just want to kiss the noose." And I thought that was a really interesting quote. Um, it kind of stu- resonated with me for uh, for a f- you know a few seconds after you know as the movie kept going, um, kind of lost myself in that quote and, uh, and kind of ju- you know it just you kind of feel for her because, you know, obviously there's a, a very strong, powerful reason why um, Udom would want to be a revolutionary, but uh, you know, he's got family that he's leaving behind to go do that. And she knows that when he leaves to go do what he's going to go do, she's not going to be able to see him again because it's going to result in, you know, his imprisonment for the rest of his life at best and his execution at worst. Um, so I was really taken with that quote really early in the movie and that, you know, 
that I, I was hooked into this movie very early uh and that's one of the reasons why you know i felt like oh the dialogue's really good the acting's really good um you know the the cinematography was excellent and it just in the the whole movie was was great that way um but that's that's one quote that i had thought of um so any thoughts uh, on that for me there of you um i i read that as she was trying to dissuade him from doing what he was going to do and saying, you know, you just want to kiss the noose. Like you just want to like live dangerously. You just or, want to go be a martyr. Basically. Yeah. Take, take a risk that's unnecessary when you could just live your life out. But this is also before we know the motivation is revealed mm -hmm. at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it, I guess in a way it sort of puts you in a, puts you a little bit off, off balance, you know? Like yeah. you don't understand how strongly motivated he is at that point. You just know that he wants to do something and she's like, just kind of right. Maybe she knows what he's experienced, but you as an audience don't know. So she's saying it one way, but we're hearing it as, Oh, you know, he, he's making a choice to do this because he wants to live dangerously. He, mm. He's, he's assuming a greater risk than uh, he, he might otherwise. But, um, and I think that that's due to the nature of, of how they tell the story. Whereas if we knew up front the atrocity they opened with that, well, then that bit of dialogue means something different as a viewer if they use it after yeah. you know the atrocity. Yeah, that's a really cool way of looking at it. I'm, I'm obviously not a professional movie reviewer. Um, so like putting the that way of looking at it, um, you know, uh, together in my head, um, it makes perfect sense why, I, why it would stick out to me more, you know, because I don't, because I don't know what the real motivation is. I think he's just, you know, he just wants to be a revolutionary um, and she doesn't want him to, and she loves him. And, you know, she, he's not taking that in, that into account, you know, just because of the, you know, that wild and free and, you know, go wild West, uh, be a revolutionary, but you know, yeah, cool. Um, thanks. That, that helped uh, me think about that from a different way. So I like that. Well, and, and I will give you your uh, professional movie reviewer badge when you've um, done your 10th episode. <laughs> okay i don't know exactly i'd have to add it up uh you're close i think it's i think it's more than five yeah halfway there okay. <laughs> whoa, whoa whoa we're halfway there <laughs> all right living on a prayer uh we are actually near the end of our time so yeah uh, did you have another quote that you wanted to? It wasn't really a that? quote. It was, um, you know, kind of, you know, uh, another topic that we could potentially talk on, talk on real quick if you want. It would be, you know, the the nature of state propaganda. Um, you know, there were a couple of good examples of the British, British's use of propaganda. Um, there was some World War Two. I remember uh, there was a kind of like a not really an air raid siren but like a national or a, a town crier like pa system kind of that was set up and i forget exactly what it was announcing but it was very almost kind of comical like the 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 level of propaganda it was related to um uh world war ii and i forget again i forget the exact details but it was something about maybe even you know the the germans and calling them a certain word or you know um, I don't, I don't re remember, but I remember that, but I remember also because he was so engaged with the IRA, the Irish, uh, revolutionary something, army. Yeah. Republican army, army? I Irish Republican yeah. army. Yeah. The, 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 the Irish revolutionary group. Um, and, uh, when, 
they, they, there was a big, I guess, uh, raid on a store of arms that the IRA had uh, that was going to be transferred to the, the Indian revolutionary cause. And the British government made a big deal out of that. And I remember, I don't remember if it was in uh, radio or on a clip of a newspaper that they showed, but it, it said, you know, act, called it acts of sabotage against the state is what the, the people were going to be charged with. And I just thought that was kind of an interesting terminology that that's what they were being charged with, with acts of sabotage against the states, you know, and just shows who they're looking out for, who's number one to who's number one to the state. It's the state, you know, it's not the people. Yeah, there's a great quote. Um, I think it's a Rothbard quote. It's about, you know, who, does, who do you think the state is really looking out for themselves or for you? Who, who do they prosecute when something happens uh, against the state? Do they, are they more severe when it's against the state versus against a citizen? Um, well, I think if you look at January 6th, you would see, yes, they are very much more um, aggressive about things that are against the state. And I don't recall if the raid was uh, this scene or not, but there was a scene where a young boy was running away with some pamphlets and the police shot him um, running away, clearly not a threat to the police uh, and just, you know, probably quote unquote justified um, and exonerated, but definitely not um, something that, that should have occurred. And, and that might've been a separate raid. I, I know that there was one time when uh, Udom was going to get a gun originally and then they raided that. And then I think this was another raid where he was going to meet with, with them somewhere. I, I get a little fuzzy in these long movies <laughs> with what's going on. But anyway, I think my point was they shot that kid unnecessarily and in a very evil way. Yeah. One last thing I want to mention before we wrap up, uh, this movie does an excellent job of displaying the attitude of kind of like the mentality at the time of the British in the middle of their, this massive empire that they control of, you know, that they had some kind of divine right to do it and that any kind of resistance to their rule is met with, you know, absolute violence and quick retribution. And how could you, this is an atrocity. You people are monsters. We no, have to rule. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we're super playing the victim and we have to be deal with shit as harshly as possible because we can't let this kind of thinking that there's any kind of justified right of them to resist our aggression. So it, it really gave us the idea like, well, of course we rule Ireland and how dare they fight back or anybody would dare fight, fight, attack us. Why are they attacking mm -hmm. us? I don't even understand. Why would any of these Indian guys want to hurt anybody here in Britain? We're, we're awesome. We do great things. We're, Fantastic. The empire is a force of good. Yeah. So it's, it's a real, the, the, the mental gymnastics that people go through to justify their own abhorrent behavior and support for the empire. Like they benefit from all this aggression. And so of course to them, it's, it's all fantastic. And then they only get the good news from their mm -hmm. propaganda arm. And I mean, it's the same thing here. It's the same thing in any empire. Um, but I do yeah. want to give a shout out to my boy Udom. At his trial, he was a boss. Mm -hmm. Just talking to the judge, telling everybody to, the truth, basically. It was fantastic. I really appreciated his dialogue in that scene. Of course, the judge told the, the media, you can't report on anything he said. And that was Yeah, you see who's the boss of that. The state, yeah. when the state tells the media what to do, gives them their marching orders. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. well, apparently th- those comments he made were sealed for 50 years. And they're still sealed, right? Aren't they? No, they, 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 well. The, I thought the movie said it. that there were still, there were still secret documents that haven't been revealed yet. I'm the sure there are the some, but, but I think what he said in the, in the court hearing, uh, was, was revealed, uh, maybe 20 years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. I was, I was reading oh. a little bit about it. And, and of course, anything I read, it goes in one ear out the other, you know. Kind of comes well, according to in the film, it said at the very, very end that there are still sealed secret documents that have not been revealed about yeah. this guy. I'd, I'd believe that. Uh, you mentioned um, probably because of COVID. You know how it is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's why the JFK thing got delayed, right? That's right. Um, so you mentioned uh, Ireland, and uh, it reminds me of this great Ralph Rako lecture. I think it's 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 about this uh, period of time, World War One to World War Two. And he says, um, you know, the British see themselves as great and, and standing up for the rights of the people to make self-determination. And he cracks a joke. And someone in the back of the audience says, well, what about Ireland? And uh, he was taken out back and shot. <laughs> <laughs> but in this very dry, you know, witty humor <laughs> that uh, Ralph Rico has in this beautiful, you know, baritone voice. Um, he passed away a couple of years ago, but his lectures are, are amazing and a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we, we should start winding it down. We were going long as we are want to do here. So, um, Robert, do you want to just take us down that path of uh, final summary review and, and how many volleys out of 10 are you uh, having the firing squad do against the peaceful people? <laughs> meeting I don't in, want uh, them to do any conflict. volleys, Daniel. What's wrong with you? <laughs> All right. So, so zero. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give this movie a zero out of 10. <laughs> no, uh, the movie, okay. So, Sardar Udham. Should you watch it? Absolutely. Um, I want to learn more. I. It's obviously something that's been whitewashed over and forgotten in history. And I'm glad movies like this are being made. It's a, an absolute crime, what happened. And it's a crime that, that's been covered up. And it's a crime that's continued to be covered up. Um, people should know that empire is aggression it's 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 not this benevolent thing that these people are going over and just making these savages you know i I think that's more and more known but it's often the the crt people and the, the 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 critical theory people that are just upset with everything they come at it with this almost cartoonish view um i i don't think you need to take it that that level to realize that it's 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 horrific. Um, trade is is the benefiting factor, not the 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 empire and the ruling and the aggression. Uh, you can you can benefit everybody by just trading with them. You don't have to go in with soldiers and forcibly dominate them. And I think we're all we're all aware, well aware of that. Uh, Sardar Udham. It's a it's a it's a very well interesting territory story. Uh, it's it's interesting that they they, they end on the, the atrocity and that really makes it it really you leave with it you know you, you're going to hold on to that atrocity you're going to remember that scene for a long time i think by the way they ended on it um you get a sense that he is you know a dedicated person to this cause that he has and he's talking about it throughout the film but when you see it for yourself then you really become a fan of his in the sense that yeah, somebody needs to go out and 
get justice for this atrocity. Uh, these people can't just, you know, well, I did it as a matter of doing my job, doing my duty for the state. So I'm a good person. Uh, I think there's some humanity in that guy. And I was a little upset that he didn't, I, I don't think he got killed, right, by Udom. It was him. It's just it's just a Dwyer that got killed, and then a few other yeah. guys got injured, right? It wasn't the the general guy. He didn't get shot at all. No, he had already died. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Udom visits his grave actually in the film. Oh, I must have missed missed that part. Okay. Okay. Anyway, yeah. and and the, as that, a score, maybe maybe a number of cartloads of people you've saved or that were saved out of ten. That that okay. maybe a better better. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that is that better? That's still a pretty morbid. Uh, pretty morbid. Yeah. Um. No, I I I got an idea of what I'll do. I'm going to go with a revolutionary fist in the air. How about that? Um. It's it's well acted. I I definitely see more of this director's work. It's well directed. Uh, the cinematography is excellent. I I, did, I was just impressed with the entire production. I thought it was all quite good, especially doing a period piece. Um. It all looked great. So I thought that the storytelling was quite interesting. It wasn't exactly your typical story. I thought it was well told. It jumps around a little bit. And then there are a little bit of time jumps where I wasn't quite sure what was happening, especially when he's like going to Russia and then he's not, and he's going to Russia and he's back in England and whatnot. But I understand he was moving around a lot during that time. And I'm not sure they necessarily needed to have all that in the film. But uh, overall, I can't really... Mm, fault any of the storytelling i thought it was all quite well done so i'm gonna go with uh nine revolutionary fists in the air for sardar udham uh r.i.p sardar uh hopefully you will not be long forgotten all right very good well i think that that's a pretty good take and a very good score i i saw some reviews related to this film calling it a masterpiece and i think that there are some arguments to be made for that i i think that there are a couple of areas that uh maybe could have been done a little bit differently but i do like the overall narrative structure where you sort of open with the ambiguity so you don't really understand what the motivations really are i mean you probably have an idea uh you talk about some of the things that are happening and some of the um mistreatment of of his people and the exploitation and and uh, the lack of uh being able to choose their own destiny, things like that. But it's, it really is driven home at that end end scene. And, and it just goes on and on and on. And I think to good effect, um, that's actually a quote in the film. I think he says that they fire to good effect. So I didn't mean to, to do that, but, um, but I think that it is effective in storytelling and in, in, in making the film to leave that with your audience and, and maybe leave them wanting to know more about these things. And, and, I think adding those uh, little title cards at the end where they talked about the, the Bengal famine and uh, one other event that another million or so people died uh, as a result of, um, it's like a stepping stone into, okay, you've seen this, you're affected by it. Here's something else to look at. Here's something else to look at. It's, it's sort of like a red pilling kind of thing. Uh, I guess that's a theme of mine tonight. Um, so it, it makes people interested to look into more of these things. And, and that is an effective way. I think that, um, you can get some interest in in things that would otherwise go unseen. So for that, I think this is an effective piece and it's a well-done film, well-acted, uh, well-structured, well-done. And uh, I'm going to give it eight and a half uh, raised fists. So, you know, like a Gage Grosquitz, um half 
but the other one is the, <laughs> the eight. Have you seen the trial? It's a fucking shit show, clown show. Prosecution. I've totally seen some ridiculous. updates. I've seen some, yeah, some uh, some commentators talking about it. It's it's been. Yeah, but there's two different realities, though, man. Like the blue check mark Twitter, they think it's all he's totally guilty and evil and white supremacist. And then people who have eyes to see are like, what the fuck is the prosecution even doing? But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jared. I think I think one from... of the one of the things you mentioned the tile cards was that uh, 2.3 million Indians died in World War II fighting for the British. Oh right, yep, yep, that was one of them. Yep, uh, conscripted, probably, <laughs> most likely. But all right, Jared, take Morning. us home, buddy. Yeah, uh, I don't really have much more to add on top of uh, everything we've talked about. I mean, I think you know uh, one of the. I, I would I wish uh, the I could get more people to hear that uh, you know um, none none of this stuff could happen if it weren't for uh, you know lower people down the chain being willing to enforce it and the that massacre wouldn't have happened if um, uh, you know the people hadn't been willing to pull the triggers these lockdowns the you know all the protests that you you brought up earlier daniel um you know a lot of those have been uh pretty violently um broken up uh in a lot of cases you know with tear gas and and rubber bullets and and you know worse in some cases uh and so none of this would be happening if it weren't for cops um you know to me some of the coolest people i've ever met are ex-cops you know young young men who were cops for a short while and then quit because they just uh couldn't do it um for for one reason or another and uh a lot of the reasons are usually reasons that uh you know those who think like us would approve of you know as good reasons why somebody would quit um being a cop and uh you know, I'm really glad, you know, like you say, um, I forget which one you said, it, but I'm really glad this movie was made. Um, it's an opportunity to, to learn more about state atrocity. Uh, and, um, you know, it's a good jumping off point for, uh, for Britain and India specifically. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I would like to try as best I can to leave with a little bit of a positive note and just that, you know, the fact that this movie did get made and the fact that, you know, there are so many different uh, platforms for really, really solid content to be put out on. There's, there's just uh, the, the, the market competition out there is vast, which is very, very good for the consumer um and so there is just uh gonna be so much entertaining and informative educational whatever you're really looking for all that kind of content is out there and all that's only possible because of you know capitalism um you know we brought up a little bit earlier about how capitalism is kind of associated with this old imperialism and you know that's why i don't really like the word capitalism i prefer to use you know when i'm talking about those kind of ideas i like to talk about the market um, as opposed to talking about capitalism um but you know in people's heads capitalism is you know buying and selling things and the government and bombs dropping and uh you know uh soldiers 
and and police enforcing uh, authoritarianism. So those things are all unfortunately connected in a lot of people's heads. Uh, and, um, you know, hopefully we can take advantage of, you know, what the market has provided in terms of competition for content creators and the ability to put content out there um, that maybe we can uh, change some of those minds and, uh, you know, as this seemingly, um, you know, as it seems like this, this current order is finally crumbling, hopefully we'll be able to, to build it back up better um, than, than what it was prior. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully that, uh, that wrapped things up there nicely. I kind of managed to bring it together in my head there that, uh, but um Anyways, I, I always like talking with you guys. I don't know if you're going to do a Kathleen Turner. Um, I'm probably going to bow out. So, Daniel, if you did have, you know, one last question that you were hanging on here, um, go ahead and ask it. But I'll get. I'm, I want to give it nine and a half star, uh, or not stars, but uh, fists in the air. Um, uh, or um, can I give nine and a half bullets to O'Dwyer's uh, <laughs> torso? Can I? Um, maybe that's a little bit too dark, but. I think you only got two or three. Uh, it's it's the third darkest of the uh, options. So, <laughs> okay, but it's in the right direction, I think, at least. Um, yeah. But, well, yeah, yeah. no, great, great movie, uh, and uh, yeah, thanks. Okay, well, um, yeah, I hope you can stick around for just a little bit longer. We're going to wind down here, uh, and maybe just for a few minutes, um, keep talking. Uh, in a little bit of Kathleen Turner Overdrive, which is available for our Patreon supporters, we did about uh, 35, 40 minutes of pre-show bonus content, uh, which will explain what I'm about to tell everyone now. Um, there is uh, a lot going on, as I discussed in the pre-show bonus content, and uh, it may affect my ability to devote the resources, time, and energy to the show. So at this time, I don't have a show lined up for next week and potentially for several weeks thereafter. Um, I'm not going to rule out doing a show. Uh, if something comes up where uh, there's just something we got to do and there's time to do it and we got a guest lined up and all of that. But for right now, I don't have a, a show lined up. So I'm not saying there won't be a show next week. I am saying there might not be a show next week. Uh, so that's sort of the half pseudo announcement that I had uh, because I have a lot of things I need to sort out with um, changes going on with mandates being imposed and uh, lines to be crossed orders to be crossed potentially and uh, making sure that I make the best decisions that I can at this time for my family. So um, I'm sure that will give lots of people things to uh, have questions about. But anyway, that's uh, that's our show tonight on uh, Sardar Udham. So thank you for the recommendation to, the, to do this one. And Jared, thank you for being willing to come on and, and talk about another uh, Indian film. I think that uh, it might be your wheelhouse, even though there's a couple of other movies we've talked about over the over the years that I think uh, we should do with you as well. So you will earn that uh, that little professional movie reviewer badge before you know it, uh, if we <laughs> keep going at this pace. Yeah, I like this. I like this international niche I've kind of found found with you guys. I, uh, I think if I if I ever um, that's that's where I spend most of my time reading is in the the, the international world and kind of the U.S. Uh, you know wars over the years. Um, you know British too, uh, but uh, I find that to be really if I ever. Um, follow your guys' footsteps and start my own libertarian-based podcast. I think I want it to be like something something to do with international libertarianism, you know, the libertarianism applied to the world uh, and kind of talking to about things like that. Anyways, um, I don't know why I interrupted you with that, but... Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, okay. It's okay. Just 
squeezing a little more content out of you, Jared. Well, yeah, for um, real. Thanks again. We'll, of course, have uh, links to all your prior appearances and your various projects on our show notes page at lastnair.com slash 203. And uh, if you want to hear my sob story at the beginning, go to lastnair.com slash Patreon. You can hear the first 35, 40 minutes of me lamenting uh, things that impacting my life that might be impacting the show, which might be impacting your listening experience for the next uh, little while here. But anyway, with that, uh, we'll say good night from last night. Maybe we'll see you next week. Maybe we won't, but uh, stay strong and fight the power. Raise some fists in the air, not communist style, but in uh, freedom and justice style. And uh, we'll see you guys at uh, some point in the future. All right. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Robert. See you guys later.